So Julie, I often tell people that there are four opportunities to overcoming an objection, the most powerful of which is before the objection happens. Have you ever heard of this concept? You're always teaching me new stuff, Torin. No, I haven't. Tell me more. So the acronym for me, and it's something that I used back in the 90s when I had my own sales team, the acronym is WNLB. Well, the B stands for before. And before any of you start to wonder which online system is best for payroll, let me share a few facts. Gusto is actually simple and easy, surprisingly easy and very fast. 90% of customers say switching to Gusto was easy. 85% of customers say running payroll is easier now than their previous provider. And three out of four customers take 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. I think that's easy. You can use our link, gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K for three complimentary months. Again, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. And let me tell you, this week, I'm wondering, like, who feels the craziest? Like, I'm over here. Like, really, Julie, I appreciate your patience. You would think that I had, like, a 1998 computer. Couldn't get the computer to work. Couldn't get, um... Let me see what else could I get? Oh, on my chair. My chair is squeaking. <laughs> so like literally before we started to record, I had this joint upside down. I'm putting WD-40 on the wheels. I'm putting WD-40 in the little sprockets thing. Now I just reached down below the joint. I didn't even feel this before. Can you hear that little sound? You hear that? Oh, I can. I can. I'm some, something hanging off. The, I, uh, listen, I'm trying to tell you, I really feel great, but damn, it's like I can't get nothing to work right now. But we are in record mode, so we don't get to it. I don't know if uh, Mrs. Ellis listens to the podcast, but Hell I think no. we just heard. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> nope. And let me tell you, purposefully, I don't even tell her when the links are posted because, you know, because then she'll get on this joint and be trying to police me, you know, watch your mouth and this, that, and the third. And and, and speaking of watch your mouth, do you know who... Uh, Tom Fitton is. Are you familiar with that name? Oh, yes, Tom I am. Fitton. You know who he is? Yep. Yeah, yeah he's the talk. president of Judicial Watch, right? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk, talk about them a little bit later today. We're going to talk about, but no, Mrs. does not listen to the pod. So, well, that's probably good because you've heard my mouth. Um, mm. I do have some freaking fantastic news to start the uh, pod with today. Please um, give it to me. Ding dong, unwoke HR is fucking dead. Now, let, let me tell you, first of all, that is good news. But for those that may be new listeners, remind them who unwoke HR was. Yes, I, I think the one of the main points is we don't know who's behind unwoke HR. True. But the long story short, they were the job board for people who did not want to be inclusive. Yeah. So a bunch of white dudes and some racist white women who don't want to 
see how America is evolving and be politically correct. Um, yeah, couldn't have happened to a better set of white dudes. Site's yeah. been dead for at least a week and a half. Um, Twitter's still up, so I kind of keep my eye on everything. But as of right now, they've they've hit the uh, hit the woodpile. That's a good thing. And let me tell you, somebody else who might have some of their hind parts close to that uh, woodpile would be the CEO of Coinbase, Mr. Brian Armstrong, and perhaps the organization itself, because the New York Times took them to the woodshed this past weekend and deservedly. Did you see that article? I did. I did. And you know what I love about it is that it's not going away. No. Right? Like that they're continuing to get taken to task. Absolutely. And rightfully so. You know, again, I can understand when you genuinely want to be an apolitical organization. I can understand. Let me say it differently. I can appreciate when you genuinely want to be an apolitical organization. What I don't appreciate is the slap in the face, the hiding of of grievances of employees, the ignoring of those grievances when they are being raised, the departure of um, underrepresented employees. You already don't have enough of them, and then they are leaving in droves. And, and let me just say, I said this when we first talked about Coinbase back in September, and I'll remind you all, I had personal friends who worked in the organization. So there are some things that I can speak on because I know them firsthand, or I guess that's secondhand because I'm getting it from a person who was in the organization. So I absolutely understand and appreciate New York Times and others keeping them in the public eye, keeping that uh, measure of accountability hanging over them. Definitely want to see more of that. Yeah, I just kind of imagine these cryptocurrencies being like 1980s Wall Street, all the men and the misogyny and the racism and hookers and blow and all that kind of stuff too. Um, That's like how what I feel like the mentality is because it's so new and it's so driven. Hard on them, man. Well, so. But now that's curious. I'm curious. Why do you feel? Why did you go all the way back to like the 1980s and Michael Milken and Wall Street, and then bring it forward when it's such a new technology, new young people that are involved in this? How'd you connect that that 30 year dot? It, to me, it just it, it goes down to the basic like greed is good, mm. and and that saying. So when I think about creating a whole new currency and and valuations and just sort of the the genius and finance that goes along with the manipulation of that kind of market, good, bad, or indifferent in terms of the use of the word manipulation, but it it just has that same grimy feel to me, and I have no evidence of that. That's just how it feels. Well, so for all of you who might be a little soft and you may <laughs> feel like Julie uh, ber- derailed you, berailed you, berailed you, um, she did say genius. So there you go. Yes. Uh, yes, did you just... see the Georgia election official who happens um... to be a Republican? Did you see that? Dude, he went off. That was all over my Twitter feed yesterday. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And and for those of you who may have missed that, his name is Gabriel Sterling, S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G. And the quote that has been, um, you know, all across social media, the piece that people are pulling out of his his delivery 
is someone is going to get killed. Like that says a lot. This is an awful lot when you have individuals that are feeling this much ire in reference to an election that they are actually threatening people's lives. He stood and delivered yesterday. No, he he did. And, uh, you know, just I think a little context here is interesting because what finally pushed Mr. Sherman or Mr. Sterling over the edge, he is a um, he's in charge of kind of election integrity and, and that kind of thing for the state of Georgia is one of their 20 something contractors, his wife, his himself, um, their the QAnon found this person, started targeting them, published their address, their phone numbers, their personal information, and said, internet, do your thing. And this guy has to have protection. His wife is getting vocal threats of rape on their cell phones, right? I mean, this isn't just like a little like, hey, we're fighting over the election. This is when this kind of dark web comes out and says, here's a person that we decided we don't like, whether they have anything to do with any grand conspiracy or not, but then goes and creates this cycle of chaos and danger. And, and Sterling is right. It, it, someone's going to get killed. We actually just saw um, signed into law in New Jersey this week. Um, it became, I believe, a felony to publish a law enforcement officer, a judge or government officials um, information online, their private personal information online, because a judge's son was killed um, this summer for sort of the same reasons, right? By someone who was radicalized online and, and then they were attacked. And, and that 20-year-old young man, 21, he, he died. Yep. And, and so this is like for real, for real. No, it absolutely is for real. And again, this is what you know, this is what we talk about when we say, you know, none of these egregious acts, none of these infractions, these microaggressions, the bullying, none of this. There are good people on both sides. None of this stuff is is OK. None of it. And, and it requires that each and every one of us. And I know I sound like a bit of a broken record, but it requires that we we raise our voices when we see these injustices that are taking place. And certainly there are going to be differences that people have. You know, whether it be around politics, there are going to be differences around workplace, uh, you know, procedure and culture and, you know, administrative. I'm, I mean, I understand that we're going to have differences. That's not my issue. My issue is that you should be able to recognize incivility. You should be able to recognize anything, anything less than humanity. You should be able to recognize that and full stop on that. Like, yo, for real. This is not going to go down. And so for those of you who are out there who are dogmatic uh, in your beliefs, especially if you are down in Georgia and or supporting this bullshit, you are the reason why we are having this conversation. And I absolutely am appalled. I mean, appalled by the fact that we have so many people that are supportive of this, the fact that we have people because. Contrary to what you are saying, Julie, it is about the election. Like, if 
Trump would have won, then or, or 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 if the Georgia senators were not faced with a runoff, then we wouldn't be having this in Georgia. This if he would have invalidated the election, we wouldn't have this in Georgia. And this guy is a Republican. So you know he wants, you know, his party to win. And and I get it. They want their respective parties to win. But it's amazing to me, which is why we're going to talk about Tom Fitton in a little bit. It's amazing to me the amount of, 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 it's just amazing to me the amount of bullshit that some people will put up with in the name of politics or religion or whatever it is that they believe in. And I'm just asking people, yo, pull back a little bit, man, for real. Pull back. Yeah. Pull back. Yeah. I, it, it's this, I, if you haven't watched, on Netflix, the documentary called Social Dilemma. Yeah. Um, you have to watch it. Like, I, I, if I could give you homework for this week, Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I would ask for you to watch it before we record next week and tell me how much it changes the way that you look at your Facebook page, at mm-hmm. your, you know, at any of your socials. I was actually watching a report this morning on um, MSNBC that said from an internal report from Facebook that they knew when people were being, were joining, right? Like terrorist groups or, um, hate groups or anything like that on Facebook, 65% of the time, Facebook was dishing that group up to them. So like if I'm a mom and I'm in the new moms group and then Facebook says, oh, well, here's a group about being an anti-vaxxer. And then it just spirals from there. And and these are the cases of that radicalization of a completely unchecked environment in which to share not just ideas, but conspiracies and untruths. And, and, and we will see, I mean, we've already seen people die, but we will see people die more. And I, I just have to say one more thing, and then we can get off this topic because it freaking drives me crazy. Right? This dude, Gabriel Sterling, he gave an a, the best kind of coming out of a of a Republican against this chaos that I've seen, hands down. And but he made a point several times during this speech that he was a he had voted for President Trump. Okay. And that he was still going to vote for Loeffler and Purdue, even though they weren't doing a damn thing to help bring down the heat. Nothing. And like, dude, Silent. what do you got to do? What, what do we have to do to say After. that, like, you wish upon me death? I mean, you're, you're right. I'm still mm-hmm. going to vote for them, even yeah. though I'm up here screaming at you people to tone it down. That's the problem. You, Vote with use your power, yep. right? Hey, Gabe, don't vote for Kelly Loeffler. Vote for Raphael Warnock. That's right. Don't vote for David Perdue. Vote for John Ossoff. Use right. your power. That's They're right. not going to stop until you stop voting for them. That's right. And I'm done. Amen. The church said, Amen. <laughs> uh, Deaconess Crazy and Deacon King said, amen. And for those of you who are not accustomed to the title in some churches, the deaconess, they sit on, you know, one side and they have some responsibilities and the deacons, they sit on another side and they have some responsibilities, but they are like trusted members of the church. Now there's the trustee board, which is even more trusted. 
There's the praise and worship team. There's the offering team. Listen, we can go down the hierarchy, the architecture of the church. Bottom line is Deacon is crazy. And Deacon King said, let's knock it the F off. Let's get into this week's show. Okay. So I was on Twitter and, you know, as a show, but also individually, I, I really admire Minda Hearts and all the things that she's doing. Um, and she dropped a link to an article in Twitter, probably early last week, maybe early this week. And I got all excited because I'm like, okay, Minda's always posting good stuff. And the title of the article in Reader's Digest is Phrases to Avoid in Conversations About Race. And I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to become more nuanced in my ability to have conversations about race. I'm so excited. And damn it, I opened the fucking thing and we're still at the basics. Like, like, don't say the R word when we're talking about people with disabilities. Basics, right? And yeah. I was so frustrated. Yeah. And so I thought, you know what, Torin, let's just go through these and... Let's talk about the last time you heard this in one of your conversations or someone used it with you. And y'all, stop using these phrases. It's super fucking simple. These are the basics. And and that and that's what tells me is if we're still at this point of immaturity, yeah. like, oh my God, come on, y'all. Like Well, so so let me tell let me tell folks who Minda is, just in case they don't know. Yes. Uh, actually a tweet that she put up said, um, uh, and she put this up this week, uh, honored to be the number one top voice for LinkedIn in equity in the workplace. If your company is looking for a speaker in 2021, she speaks on the following topics, creating an equitable workplace culture, managing diverse talent, and managing development for executives and women of color. She was voted or rated number one top voice um by linkedin so you know she's got some credibility out this joint and let me hear what's on the list because you know i don't even know where you're about to go with this thing so let me hear it yep oh and minda is also the author of the memo what women the of memo. color need to know right, to secure right. a seat at the table Absolutely. um yes so the first one and probably the one that was probably most confusing to me but I'm interested in your action is you're taking it the wrong way. Mm. Okay. I think so. if, if I'm putting that in context, mm -hmm. then I want to be fair. If we're putting it in, you know, the, the lens of something dealing with diversity, dealing with inclusion, dealing with a person's race, their gender, dealing with their uh, political leaning, their religious, um, you, you know, if we're, if we're on that spectrum, then it can be, a, it could be a bit offensive because it can seem as if you are undermining my uh, emotion. You are undermining, you are minimizing, perhaps that's a better phrase, Julie. Mm -hmm. You may be minimizing my, my, um, my position on a particular topic. So again, I don't know. That's not necessarily at the top of my list, but I'd like to hear what, what else is on the yeah. list. So, um, and, and just for like balance, um, Minda's example is that when she was early in her career, she had some beautiful like burnt umber nails on and her boss in front of her colleagues said, you people sure do love bright colors. 
I I equate it to the hair touching and those kind of things where it's yeah. just like seriously microaggressions where you're pointing out something that is stereotypical and ostracizing about yeah. a in this case, a young black woman early in her career, it embarrassed her. And so when he apologized, he said, oh my God, you're taking it the wrong way. I didn't mean it to hurt your feelings. Like, um, listen and validate, right? You, you, You have to understand the human experience of a black woman. And you can't do that if you're saying, you're taking it the wrong way. Yeah. So that one was- well, you know, and again, just as another example, you know, inside of the New York Times article that we mentioned at the top of the show, that was one of the things that was raised inside. You know, a person, a manager told one of the employees that they looked like they carried a gun. And I don't know if that meant they looked like they carried a gun at work, but the, the, yeah, it was in part, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but the person said, you look like you carry a gun. And, then you follow that up with, oh, you're taking it the wrong way. It's absolutely a stereotype. It's absolutely a negative perception of a group of people, of a race of people. So I can understand how Mindy used it and why she used it. Yes. And so the rest of them will be much more concrete. That was the one I had to spend a couple minutes on. So the next one is my favorite excuse of every white person on the freaking planet. I'm not racist. Yeah, well, I mean, Julie, you got to be fair. Now you we try to run a, <laughs> we try to run a responsible show. <laughs> uh-huh. So I don't think every white person says I'm not racist. It's a bunch of you motherfuckers out there that say that I am racist. So <laughs> <laughs> you got to be you gotta very be, nicely done. Very yeah, nicely you done. <laughs> you got to be fair. Now I need you to be more responsible. We got some uh-huh. folks out there that are saying. Yes, I'm racist and I'm proud about it. But, you know, the point being in this context is we're just asking you not to be. No, we're suggesting to you that you have to be a bit more than that. You have to be a bit more than just simply a phrase, you know, because that's a phrase. You know, I'm not racist is a phrase. But, But what are you doing to support the underrepresented, the marginalized? What are you doing to support? those whose voices are being drowned out, being ignored, being passed over? What are you doing to support those that are uh, unequal or, or, or receiving unequal treatment? Uh, compensation is less than. Uh, what are you doing for those that are, are being excluded from meetings? Going again back to the Coinbase article, excluded from meetings. Like, how does that happen? How do you- Not on accident. Like, how do you hold meetings and not invite people that should be in the meeting and then suggest that it's not for any nefarious or obvious or intentional reason? So, yeah, you got to do more than just say, I am not racist. Yes. And, and I would also say, as a white person who has conversations with lots of white people, if I hear I'm not a racist in a sentence, it's usually followed by a racist statement. Right. So it's it's like the ultimate disclaimer. It's like, well, I'm going to say this and I'm not a racist, but, you know, it's like the ultimate. Yeah, but like you don't get to just put that label on it and then say something that's racist. And. We know that you're not racist because it's like it's so dumbfounding because it's like it's my. Yeah, but well, I'm not racist, but, you know, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Um, 
and and it's a defensive card. It's like just again, just listen. So next one, um, I haven't heard this one in a while, so I'll I'll be interested to hear if you have. Don't play the race card. Um. Again, l- l- let me see. These are these are phrases to avoid in conversation. Okay. Yes. I'm yes. not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to lean on that one. You know, I'm not into that one. You know, bottom line is everything is not racist. Everything does not fall under the category of 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 race. There are times when your performance is just not up to par. There are times when your contribution is lacking. It's not what we might be accustomed to from you. There are times when your support may not meet the mark of true support. Your delivery may miss the deadline. You may have actually overspent the budget and you might be the only person of whatever category, characteristic, you might be the only one or, or, or one of just a few in any of those scenarios that I just mentioned. So it's not always a racist statement when you are being chastised I'm sorry, uh, administratively checked, not chastised. When you are being administratively checked, when you are being held accountable, it's not always racist. So I'm not going to go with that one. Okay. I would say that I've heard this one gets used on me a lot in terms of the woman card. Um, and it's probably the number one way to piss me off. Uh, well, not number one, but one of them. Um, and And so... This one was, I had a strong reaction, but I can't say I've heard it used very regularly. So maybe that one's like actually falling out of of usage. Um, Last two, race has nothing to do with it. Uh, I mean, again, I'll put that in the same, you know, context of what I just responded to. Because again, sometimes race doesn't have anything to do with it. You know, we can get in some environments where we got uh, an all black staff. And, you know, you looking up at the door and you're like, why the hell is my store not open on time? Or why is my phone ringing 14 times when customers are trying to get through? Why is it at real example? Here's a real example. I am right now trying to get a refund from an organization because I gifted. I gifted two seats to their conference to people that were following me on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So I invested my money. They didn't send the login information. So now I'm trying to get a refund. The event was two weeks ago. And what does the email say? The email says we are recuperating from our event. It was two motherfuck. It was two. It was two weeks ago. Man, I wish I got to recuperate from all my meetings that long. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm not getting. Uh, I'm not getting a real response from an individual. I'm getting an auto-generated response from that email address. But I know that four, three out of the five people on the event planning team are black. That ain't racist. That's that's. Not only your poor customer service. That's poor customer service. So I can't go with that one either. So, so in in my brain, again, 
like it's interesting how different our opinions are because I would say these this one and the next one are ones that as a white person I hear all of the time right and it's and the actually act as almost in that same disclaimer way of um I'm not a race I'm not a racist right like race may not have anything to do with certain things but people also don't want to recognize that systemic racism in terms of of the way the systems are built are built for and to maintain white supremacy and race does have something to do with that and so kind of the person defining what's racist what's not racist are the people in power and so when white people say race has nothing to do with it that to me immediately signal that race probably has something to do with it or that they want to live sort of in that hole where they don't have to acknowledge that they have built-in advantage. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Okay. So and I can last one. Again, I can appreciate your observation there. I really yeah. do. I, I get it. I, I, I can see it. So I think yeah. what I want people to take away from that, though, is not though. I, I want people to take away from from this exchange, Julie, I just really try my best not to default in a reactive, emotional way. I really try to evaluate, you know, scenarios for what they really are and not lean on my emotion, uh, yeah. not lean on what might be easy to lean on. I mean, think about it. You know, one of the what well, we can't find talent in the pipeline or or chasing diversity is a lowering of the bar. Those are easy excuses for us to lean on. So yep. this work just requires us to go beyond what's easy and to yep. challenge ourselves. And so I just try to always challenge myself. Yeah. And I think that's something, especially in a very heated environment, that we can all do better. Um, I also think it's really interesting, and you and I have had this conversation many times off off pod, the conversations that I'm party to versus the conversations you're party to are very, very different um, in, in very different ways, right? Good or good, bad or different. Some people will say things in front of you that they won't say in front of me and vice versa. Yep. And so it, I have a very different take because of of the conversations I've had and you do on your conversations. Um, last one. And again, like these last four I've heard in the last month. So there's that um, is I'm colorblind. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Yeah. I told someone the other day, uh, just this week, I was on a, uh, a client discovery call and they're trying to determine whether or not they're going to work with me, you know, as a consultant. And one person led uh, talent acquisition. The other person on the call was the CHRO. And well-meaning individuals, Jay, well-meaning. Like, I really, really enjoyed the conversation. And, and I often tell people, I lose eight out of ten of these conversations. Not, honestly, I lose nine out of ten of these conversations for whatever reason. You, you know, price, timing, style, something. But they uttered the phrase, we don't see color. And I said, stop. And of course, I explained to them, I need you to see color. Mm -hmm. I need you to see color so you can attach 
everything in the sequence. I need you to see color so you can attach everything in the scenario, everything in the solution, everything in how you process what was an impediment, what was a strategy, what was the problem. I need you to see clarity. And clarity is, in part, seeing the person's color, seeing the person's gender, seeing the person for, I need you to see, I said, then how is it that you want people to bring their whole self and you don't see color? And they were both like, never thought about it like that. And I said, so I see these calls right here, these discovery calls, whether you work with me or not, as opportunities for me to embed in you some of my methodology, some of my thinking, so that you think about all of this work a little bit differently. And all I could see, Julie, on the Zoom, heads down and writing notes. It was so gratifying. Like just to see the women with their head down, it was two women in this instance, just writing notes, writing notes, writing notes, writing notes. And again, we may not work together, but I know that the call was valuable because I know that they were intently taking notes. I need you to see color. I hate that phrase. Yep, yep me too. And and I will say this, like, I, I appreciate that you also related to other identities, right? I, I had a conversation within the last month um, from a, a relative who was going to vote for Trump and couldn't understand why my son was upset about that because he is gay. And she said, why well, I, I don't see him as gay. Well, I, 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 okay, you cannot see him any way you want, but the government sees him that way. And whether they're deciding he can get married, um, employers can fire him or, or we're going to be able to fire him for that uh-huh. adoption, all of those things. Like if you choose to not see a part of a person that is core to who they are, you don't, you again, validate your lack of action or your voting against their self-interest. It, like that's one of those things that again, all of these are like kind of disclaimers of like, well, I'm colorblind, so I don't vote based on what's best for my black friends or what's best for my gay friends or whatever. Like that's not an out, y'all. It's the worst. Yeah. Like it, it's the worst of the excuses in my brain. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you, uh, did you did you retweet Menda's article here around the phrases to avoid in conversations about race? I I'm 90% sure I did. Okay. That's cool. Well when you retweet it, um <laughs> kind of like telling you to retweet it. When yes, you retweet yes. it, can you, can you can you tag me in that? Because I, I want to make sure that I share that. I want to put a bit of commentary around that and use that to share with others who may be following me on Twitter to listen to this particular episode that's going to drop out. So do that for me if you don't mind. I will, I will. Awesome. So we, we had a lot of fun and a lot of chat with that, but I know we've got one other I think super interesting story for today. Yeah, and and the headline for me read exclusive, diversify or delist. And of course that caught my attention. And that's the reason why I brought up the name of Tom Fitton. And so the the the, the article is in reference to NASDAQ. And NASDAQ is basically taking the position that bottom line is you need to add some diversity to your board of directors. Like like we we don't need to play this game. Add some diversity to your board of directors. But Tom Fitton 
you know, as you said, and I didn't know who he was. So shout out to you, Julie, for knowing he is the president of Judicial Watch. And he says, quote, it is disturbing and may violate the law for NASDAQ to seemingly require a discriminatory quota system for race and gender. Now, listen, for those of you, and I'm going to get into the story, but just real quick, Tom Fenton runs Judicial Watch. And Judicial Watch is a nonprofit educational foundation that investigates and prosecutes government corruption. I'm going to challenge each and every one of you listening. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to challenge you because I don't even want you to waste the time. I went through his Twitter feed. I went to a Google search. And I couldn't find anything that suggested he was looking at our present administration. He is not. Now, he may have a New York Times bestseller. He does have over 1.3 million people following him on Twitter. But his credibility to me is zero. Yeah, he's one of the most outright anti-diversity people in the world. They've they've spent a lot of time helping to build up what is going to be a very conservative judiciary. Um, they when they talk about corruption, they're talking about um, additional access and opportunity. So anti-affirmative action, anti all of this. And it, it will be interesting because we've been talking about this for a while, Torres, is that, um, you know, who's it? Goldman said, hey, if you want us to take UIPO, you have to have a diverse board. California just put into place um, diversity requirements on on their corporate boards headquartered in, in California. Now we've got NASDAQ pushing for diversity in the boardroom. Here's what I guarantee is that one or more of these, my guess would be the the California case or the California law is going to get challenged. And it's it will be designed in its challenge to be expedited to the court. And these kind of questions, along with traditional affirmative action, both in business and at university, um, are now very much on the chopping block because we have a, a six three majority in the court. And even with Roberts balancing out, going with, you know, we, what we've seen over the past couple of months or a couple of weeks, um, siding with the dissent, there's a solid majority on the court that does not believe in diversity, equity, inclusion, does not believe in affirmative action, does not believe in a, a gay person's right to get married, to adopt a child, um, does not believe in a woman's right to access to birth control or to determination of, of her own body. Um, there's a big, this is why we can't get lax now that we've got, you know, Biden and Harris coming into office is that people have spent now 10 years packing the court. And and I don't mean just the Supreme Court, I mean the entire federal bench um, as it comes up to undo a lot of the progress that um, a, a actively 
um, advocate set of, of court officials have given rights, um, allowed rights without legislation. So if we want things to be still in place, we can't, we can't depend on the court anymore. We have to go through legislation. We have to go through our state houses and through the Congress. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. And, and I just think that what NASDAQ is trying to do in terms of increasing representation is a good thing. You know, they're, 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 yes. uh, they actually mentioned, uh, let me find the article. It's on the NASDAQ press release, if I'm not mistaken. And they mentioned, uh, I had it highlighted, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, on the NASDAQ press release dated 12-1-2020, you know, that was a special day, right? Uh, it was. This says that NASDAQ's proposal presents an analysis of over two dozen studies that found an association between diverse boards and better financial performance and corporate governance. Two dozen studies. And so I think it comes to a point where you have to ask yourself, do we believe what it is that we are studying and then subsequently reporting? Like, do we believe the data or not? Do we believe the data or not? And so what NASDAQ is saying is we believe the data. And we don't necessarily need any more of the studies. We've had more than 20, but I'm, I'm simply citing 20. And so what they're asking for is a phased-in approach. Uh, they got one year organizations. It's more than 3,000 of them, but they have one year to report their diversity data. Then the companies have two years to make an appointment if an appointment is necessary. And in 75% of the cases, I believe their appointment is necessary. And then they have four years uh, for larger organizations to comply. Larger companies have a bit more time to comply. And for the companies, Julie, that do not disclose their data, they face uh, a potential delisting. Um, and I like those apples. Yeah, I mean, it, and of all of the, all of the trading groups, I'm the the word is gone for me right now, but like. Um, NASDAQ, S&P, the Dow Jones, all of the markets. Um, NASDAQ is, is the youngest, only being just about 50 years old. So they have a lot of the tech stocks. They have a lot of um, startups. They have a lot of, of new listings. So I am pretty happy that this is the stance that they're taking and that they are going to continue to actively move the needle. No, I agree as well. Uh, they filed the request with the SEC. They're going to solicit comments. So I don't know what that really means in terms of public comments. I got to do a bit more research and I'm happy to, you know, share with you all publicly that I'm not up to speed on that. But what I would say for our listeners, in addition to sharing this episode, make sure you go to the SEC's website, NASDAQ's website, find out what it will take. And if in fact you are able to publicly comment to weigh in. Um, it says that this process typically takes several weeks and then the commission is going to decide. But we got to make sure we get in front of the SEC. So no matter what, whether you can submit a comment or not formally, informally, you can use your voice. That's how we started the show. That means you can get on Twitter and you can tweet the SEC that you want them to approve NASDAQ's request 
to diversify boards. You can get on LinkedIn and hashtag SEC that you want them to approve NASDAQ's requests to diversify boards. You can get on Facebook. You can use your podcast. You can use your email. You can do everything to force or to at least weigh in with uh, the Securities Exchange Commission or SEC to let them know that it's important and high time that boards are diversified, plain and simple. And I say it and will continue to say it. I don't care what your bylaws or charter says. Sit down and change it. If you have 11 members right now and you need to have diversity and no one's tour or tenure is up, change the bylaws, add more seats and fill them with underrepresented individuals. This is within the board's control. It absolutely is. So name drops for this week. It's been a super fun show. Do you have one? Yeah, I, I got a real quick one. Uh, I'm trying to bring up his Twitter page right now, but it's Dr. John Amici. He is a former um, he's a former NBA player. He he was born, I believe, and grew up in London. He actually spent um, his last year of high school in Toledo, Ohio, where my father was born and raised. Uh, But he's on Twitter at John Amici, A-M-A-E-C-H-I. Again, John Amici. He recently did a Google talk on imposter syndrome. Fire. It was wonderful. Okay, I will check it out. Uh, For me, um, Elliot Page, um, formerly Ellen Page, who was the star of Juno and is on the Umbrella Academy, which I love, um, made an announcement on Instagram yesterday, and she has embraced her transgender identity and is now being um, identified as Elliot Page in Hollywood it's not easy. It's not easy anywhere. So kudos to you, Elliot, for living your truth and making it easier for kids who um, live in different bodies to find their voice because you found yours. Absolutely. We went long this week, but we absolutely had a fun time. Uh, and in the words of B.B. King, the beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe and to find your voice in the workplace. Be a better human. Have an awesome rest of the week. See ya. So, Torin, we have a sponsor. Mad cool. That says that they appreciate the work that we are doing through this podcast vehicle. You know what else is cool is what other people are saying about Gusto. So give me examples. I mean, it's easy for you to say people are talking about it, but give me some examples. So Tom S. said Gusto has allowed my small company to offer big time benefits without an HR department. Shout out to Tom. But do you have more? 
Yes, I have another one from Seishin who says Gusto is effortless, which is how I like HR. Out of sight, out of mind, yet doing what it's supposed to do. So what you are saying is Gusto is more than a payroll provider. Absolutely. And Gusto integrates with all of your favorite tools that, again, makes life easier. Tools like QuickBooks, Google, and, and many others. So if you visit gusto.com slash C-A-T-K, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K, you'll get three complimentary months from Crazy and the King. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.